Hey, this is Keith from Buck Cherry. You're tuned in to Signal to Noise. Hey, this is Ed Hamill. Hamill on trial. All right, guys. Hey, Signal to Noise. Welcome. It's Aaron here. I am doing another episode, and man, I'm kind of having a good time. I had a lot of ideas and a lot of things I want to talk about. I got some jotted down here. Um, but first, top of the uh, show there, the intro music is a song called Destructive Seeds by a band called Level. And um, funny, Level's actually kind of one of the reasons I'm thinking about what I'm thinking, man. Uh, Don of the band Level, he's a guitar player, uh, big Metallica fan, huge Metallica fan, um, supported them through the years when I would not. And so I'm pretty impressed there, um, it, which is funny because when St. Anger came out, I love St. Anger. He didn't, and now he's come around to it, and I'm coming around to some of the other stuff that he used to support. So it's been kind of a good time there, man. So um, i got a lot of things I want to talk about today. Um, one of them, mainly my Metallica obsession, since Record Store Day, which I've talked about on the show, done blog posts, um, several things, man. Um, I got my hands on that Ride the Lightning box set, crack that sucker open. It's awesome. I was a kid again, like looking at the vinyl, the pictures on the back. I'm like, man, I remember having this record the first time and seeing the pictures, staring at the record store, having like liner notes. Now the liner notes weren't exactly the same. It was an insert. If it was the, like that on the original, I really don't remember because I can't remember if I had my hands on an original, but, um, Staring at the liner notes and then just getting the bonus material. For me, my money has been on the bonus material because you get, um, among other things, because there's a ton of stuff here, but the things that have really been kind of, you know, um, making my tea kettle whistle here have been three interviews. Um, one was Cliff and Cliff and Kirk, and then the other one, the other two were just, um, what's his name? I can't believe I'm blank. I can see Lars. I'm like, I can picture his face. Can't remember. But anyway, so Lars. So it was great to hear them that young. I mean, these guys are like barely 20 years old, right? Barely 20 years old and doing these interviews. And they sound like young kids. But they sound like young kids who almost have it together. And that's rare in any generation. It was just kind of neat to hear it because, I mean, being a kid that was, you know, I'm about, I think I'm probably like nine years younger than most of those guys. So to hear that, like, they're my heroes, you know, when they were doing this stuff. And just to, to, to hear the uncertainty, I'm like, I wish I could have heard that when I was getting to be their age because it would have been the encouragement I needed to go further. So that's been, been a gem. But the absolute gem is the demos and rough mixes. So on the Ride the Lightning box set, you get, like, garage tape demos, uh, studio demos. And the studio demos are pretty good. They sound pretty close to the record. You can kind of hear ideas forming, that sort of stuff, and, you know, where they've kind of settled like, hey, this is going to be the direction the song takes. But the garage demos were my favorite because having been in a band, having done that many, st um, like, you know, of my own garage recording tapes and boombox recordings and all that sort of stuff, I mean, heck, the first recording I ever put out, we recorded on a tape deck with two PZM microphones in the school auditorium. My band director, Mr. Priatel, um, I can't remember if I've talked about Mr. Pretel on the podcast, but man, I need to, because if it wasn't for that man, I would not be the musician I am today. But, um, he ran the deck. We borrowed one of his mics, borrowed another mic, and he 
basically produced. I mean, and we produced it old school. It was, you know, two microphones, a cassette deck, and we put the um, instruments where they needed to be to have a good sound. He listened through headphones, you know. And so, you know, from doing tapes like that to doing tapes in the living room when, um, or the basement, wherever we would set up, he used to clear uh, clear out my grandfather's living room when um, when he would travel. <laughs> We'd move all the furniture and we would just set up the band because it was really comfortable. Like, you know, it's a nice place to be. Um, good sound in there, you know. And so just having all these old tapes, like, I know what these things sound like. And to hear hear Metallica sound like that on one of these tapes, but hear them sound like Metallica. And here's what I mean. Yes, it's a basement tape. It's a garage tape. But the talent was there. The ideas were there. They were solid. They were, these were like end-of-the-life ideas. Um, and it was cool to hear that. But what was really cool is to hear the fact that, you know, even though they're, they're Metallica, this is Ride the Lightning, this is their second release. It's going to be released on Electra. Like, this is where things are starting to come together. But they're still in a garage. You can hear timing issues because they're still struggling, just like every other band who practices in a garage or a basement or whatever. And, man... It was just so cool to hear to, to hear them go through that and to, and to hear like wow it's like really pulling back the curtain you know, um, so I'm on this insane Metallica kick, which is why my uh, Yeti cup I'm drinking out of today has a Metallica Club sticker on it. The Metallica fan club for anybody who's not aware is now free. It used to cost to join. I joined it once so I could get some stuff around the 30th anniversary, and um, it's now free. So I am on it. I am active. I am watching for concert announcements because I'm going to go see them. But what I'm really, 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 really excited about and what I want to see happen, what I want to get my hands on is Master of Puppets. When they do the Master of Puppets box set, that is when I'm just going to go out of my mind and whatever it takes to get one of those, I'm going to get one of those. That's the record that changed everything. And going kind of through this rediscovery here of Metallica for me, um, yeah, I, I got Ride the Lightning after Master Puppets. My grandmother bought me the cassette, and that's a whole other story for another day. But going through this discovery again, you know, I, I, um, I picked up the issue, or I found an issue of Guitar for the Practicing Musician, October 1986, with Kirk and James on the cover. And I remember that article. I've read it so many times. I remember every picture, and that's how I learned how to play heavy. Um, that's what I was reading when... Puppets was released when I heard Puppets. And so, like, you get Puppets, you get that article, and you're like, oh, my goodness, this is the most amazing band in the world. This song, this is so heavy. Like, what's going on here? It's like, okay, so they're talking about what? They're talking about downpicking, and they talk about how they place their hand. And, you know, you're reading this, you can't see it. And it's like, okay, how do I emulate how my hand goes? Is this right? And just all, you know, listening to these old recordings took me back to that, and it's helped me with my playing again. Like, you know, I've been studying classical guitar a little bit on the side, uh, actually a lot since November, and then, you know, picking this up, I'm like, yeah, like, I just, playing is fun, and it's exciting, it's the whole reason I do this podcast, and it's the whole reason that I, you know, do the things that I do, and I want to make music this year, <clears throat> um, and I think that's going to kind of segmo- segue with me here, let me check my notes, but I think I'm going to segue into the next thing here, so let's give that a shot. All right, so, talking about making music here, so, it's funny, you know, listening to the Metallica stuff and seeing them as a band and then, you know, having my own band experiences, Dark Water and Level and that sort of stuff. I was never in Level, but just we hung with them a lot. So <clears throat> I told you guys, Don, 
Don, Don's, you know, he was a great friend, has been for years. You know, we, we don't talk as much as we should, but I don't talk to any, much, any of those guys as much as I should. But when we do, you know, it's just like the old days. We just catch up, start carrying on. And I was talking to Don, and it was funny, like, because I never realized, apparently, the impact um, that, I, that I had. And I hope this show has the same impact on other people as that um, th- this moment had on Don. But it's like, you know, Don was in an age where, he was really trying to make his band happen. He wasn't getting the support he needed from, um, you know, from family, friends, that sort of stuff. And he said, then we came along, you know, we being Darkwater. And we're like, no, man, do this. Try this. You know, I, no, we, we can do this. We can make this happen. And he's like, that's when things really started happening. And that's when, you know, he, he took a different direction with his life. I mean, like when I met him, I, I was teasing him because I couldn't get him to use email, you know, any of that sort of stuff. And now, you know, we're talking, he's talking about how he's building his own computer and tearing it apart. And since he did this, this isn't working. And it just, you know, it, it's funny because for the guy who had new interest in computers, he's now done all these things with computers, technology. Um, you know, he does graphic arts, all that sort of stuff. Like it's, it's pretty awesome to see, you know, where he's gone. And, and when we're talking, like, I didn't realize that I kind of had a hand in that. And that's kind of exciting. And so, you know, to, to that end, it's like talking with Don, like, I'm like, dude, I want to make music. I want to start getting some stuff together. So I plan on sending him some stuff. He's going to send me stuff, whether he likes it or not. Cause you know, um, I am a bit of a force of nature sometimes and, you know, encourage each other. I think is, is kind of where I'm going with this. Cause I mean, like I think about all the bands like Metallica and all the young bands that, you know, never made it. Some of them were terrible and should have never made it. There's other bands that I think should have gone somewhere, but they gave up. Why they give up? Why did I give up? You know, I mean, honestly, I don't feel like I gave up. I really got to a point where I was happy with what I'd accomplished. It was time to do something else. You know, would I love to be in Metallica shoes? Absolutely. Was I willing necessarily to make those sacrifices? No. And that's a, that's a big thing is like, even though I have disagreed with some of the artistic directions Metallica's taken, when the Napster thing happened, man, I supported those guys. And I will always support them. And when people try to tell me that they have too much money, I will call um, bullcrap on that every single time. Because how do you, how, who are you to tell somebody else that they have enough money? Ever. Right? Ever. You know, you can, you can argue and hate and send me all kinds of nasty messages about any, any which way or another. But the point is, these guys lived in near poverty for all the years they were trying to do Metallica, trying to work second jobs, trying to put Metallica full-time, you know, hand-to-mouth living in the extreme, and look where they are today. You know, they made huge sacrifices and made it pay off. So unless you're willing to make that kind of sacrifice for your dream, I, like, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear any arguments any other way. You're really, you're never going to sway me on this one. But, so, encourage each other. Um, encourage the craft. And that's kind of what I want to talk about next here. All right. <clears throat> so, I've been checking out my local guitar center. And it's been a bit of a struggle because, well, I don't look metal. I don't look metal at all. I still love metal. I love classical music. I love symphonic music. Um, and when I say classical and symphonic, yes, they're the same thing, but... In this case, I actually meant like I love classical guitar, I love symphonic symphonies, and that sort of stuff. Um, but so, I listen to a wide range, but I love metal. And I go to a guitar center, I've got my two kids with me, they're very young. 
And they're being really good. They're helping, you know, helping me switch the sounds and stuff. I found that if I want to demo pedals, the best thing to do is give them each a job. You turn this one off, you turn this one on, you have fun with this here, boom, boom, which one do you like? Uh, when I ask my kids which pedal I should get, is the, <laughs> the decision is based solely on color, right? So get the green one, get the pink one, get the purple one, that sort of stuff. I'm like, but which one sounds better? Deer in headlights. It's so cute when they just stare at me like that. So... I'm at the Guitar Center, and the guy that helped me at Guitar Center, i got to give a major shout-out to, because he was pretty awesome. He's in a band called Lightness, L-I-G-H-T-N-E-S-S. -S. You can find them on Bandcamp, because I've been checking out their stuff. I keep trying to find them um, in a local show here, because I want to go see them play. But when I first started talking to him, he's like, well, you know, what, what kind of music to listen to? And the first thing I say is, I said, well, I grew up on Metallica, because I did, right? I'm, you know, this is even before Record Store Day. I grew up on Metallica. Like, they're, they're part of my musical education, you know, they're as, as important to me as Mozart. And I say that, and the first thing he does is roll his eyes. I don't even know if he realized he was rolling eyes. It was involuntary. But, you know, sensing that quickly, I'm like, so here's current bands I listen to. And I'm like, I listen to Dillinger Escape Plan and the Tony Danza Tap Dance Extravaganza. Well, this kid lights up like a Christmas tree. He was super excited, like all kinds of energy. All of a sudden, like, wow, oh, yeah, those are the bands I grew up with. And he's like, okay. And then, boom, now he's ready to, to tell me about the fuzz, right? So um, this kind of comes back to the encouragement. Maybe, I don't know, I, I don't want to get as cliche as don't judge a book by its cover because really, you know, um, that's how I judge pedals sometimes, like if it's got a cool graphic, you know. So, so, so I'm not even going to go there, but talk to people talk to one another, you know, and, and I'm glad, like, he asked me the question, like, what do you listen to? And, you know, I, I'm glad I followed it up with the heavier bands that I followed up with, because I do try to stay cur with current bands, but I mean, you know what, I still love the classic stuff, I love the new stuff, I keep finding new stuff, but um, it totally changed the conversation. I had a great conversation with the guy, he talked me into, not talked me into, because I was going to buy one of them, um, but he, he basically helped me make the decision for the uh, Nano Big Muff. Uh, that Electro Harmonics puts out. And I absolutely love that pedal, man. It's just got this nasty, gritty, low-end, just huge, huge, huge sound. And I love it. Um, so that's that's been kind of my new gear fix. But then this kind of leads me into the next topic, is why did you switch to pedals? All right, so I'm using Boss Jock today. That's why you heard that bumper twice in a row. One was quiet, one was loud. When I had the mic locked on, it auto-ducks the sound, and so that's why it was quieter. I, I love using Boss Jock. Um, I've talked about it a ton of times on the show. I've written about it on the blog, so go back and check the archives. Um, but, man, I love, I love this because it allows me to quickly put together a podcast anywhere that I am, and anywhere that I am is not at home right now. And so this has been great. So the question that came up today, I was listening to the, to the Wampler Pedals podcast, Chasing Tone, and they've got the guy Blake, I said Blake Wyland, I think, from uh, the Tone Mob podcast. And let me tell you, man, those guys have been hitting a new stride. They are a ton of fun to listen to, very educational. And they brought up a great conversation today. I was listening to the newest one about rack gear and why people switch to pedals. And they were talking about, oh, you know, racks just aren't as convenient and they're big and all that sort of stuff. And... Um, I, they really didn't talk about like multi-effects pedals, but so I, it was an interesting question. I kind of want to talk about why I use pedals because, I mean, if you follow the site, if you follow my Instagram, it's nothing but stomp boxes, right? Like, I, I love them. I am, I am like a kid in a candy store. It is like giving me the 256 crayon box of Crayola and then 
I buy another 256, but they're all different colors sometimes. Sometimes they're the same. Um, I do have a few that are identical, but I digress. So when I was looking for effects back in the day, so I'm a bass player um, primarily. Like, you know, I'm a bass, I, I started on guitar, switched to bass. I think I've always been a bass player. I just needed time. I do play guitar. I enjoy playing guitar. But really, I am a bass player. That's what I do. But when I play bass, I don't use effects. At least I didn't. I was very much a purist. I had a bass chorus pedal, and I bought a HM2 Boss Heavy Metal pedal. Rock and I talked about this on the on the um, pre-record store day episode because I absolutely loved um, the distorted sound on Cliff Burton's Kill 'Em All. Again, coming back to what I said earlier, Metallica was a huge influence on me, and I wanted a good distortion sound to distort my bass. So I had a bass chorus, and I had the HM2. That's all I had until the 90s. And then um, somewhere in the 90s, one of my buddies, uh, Tom, he managed to find a Phase 90, an MXR Phase 90 pedal, and I started using that. This would have been early 92, probably. And um, I loved it. I really loved the sound, especially on bass. I'm like, wow, this is great. So the HM2 had been long since retired, but now the... Only two pedals I was using was the bass chorus. It was a DOD. I don't remember which one it is. It's the DOD bass chorus. And then I had um, that MXR Phase 90, which I just absolutely loved, right? So those are the only two pedals I was using until the late 90s when I start, um, start getting together with the guys in Darkwater. I don't know why or what spurred me to get into these pedals. I really don't. Um, because I think about it. You know, and um, I, why, well, why I was looking for effects, let's put it that way, because I was not using effects. I can't remember, you know, maybe I heard something cool on a corn record, or, you know what, honestly, because the the pedal that really did it for me is I picked up a DOD envelope filter. So now, now I remember. So I'm thinking back here. I was reading countless articles on Bootsy Collins, and Bootsy Collins had all sorts of envelope filter pedals that he used to get that, you know, that auto funk sound. You know, that kind of stuff, right? So I wanted to get one of those pedals. So I picked one up and uh, DOD FX25 envelope filter. DOD, was, I, I bet you I paid 25 to 50 bucks for it. I did not pay much for it at that time. Uh, They're pretty easy to get their, their hands on, you know, like they were kind of cheap. Um, so I picked that one up, I was using it, I loved it, and I wanted to get more effects. I'm like, okay, well, what other things can I get? Because I decided I wanted to get a delay, and I wanted to try, start trying some things. And um, all my guitar players were using multi-effects pedals. Sean has this great rack unit um, that he uses. I, is it the Digitech 2120 rack unit? With He has a floor controller for it. Um, my other guitar player had an, either an RP-10 or an RP-12. I want to say it was an RP-12, and that was Josh. I even owned an RP-10, I think, at one point, um, and a couple of different guitar effects processors. Because, again, I loved them, great sounds, big delay in the switching. And after listening to the Wampler pedal today, I think I understand why there's a big delay in the switching. Um, but still, big delay in the switching, so it was not always effective um, to use when you're playing live, right? But so I, I wanted to get a multi-effects because they had all these sounds and any effect they wanted. I'm like, man, that's what I want. So 
Zoom had come out with a base version of like the stuff they do did for guitar at the time. If you have not played through the old Zoom effects pedals, go back and try them. I'm not talking the like guitar strap mount ones. Start with like the Zoom 1010. I had a Zoom 1010. I wish I'd never gotten rid of that pedal. One of the greatest pedals I ever had, right? Super compact, super easy to use, great sounds. Loved it. So I'm trying out the Zoom bass thing. I go to the local music store. I take the effects I was using at the time, bring those out, start playing those, and then comparing. And so here's the frustration I was having. When you work with a traditional analog effect pedal, you can use them the wrong way. So what I mean by that is there are parameters on every pedal, and especially, you know, read, um, I think uh, ZVEX is a great modern example of this because um, I had the Fat Fuzz Factory, and it gives you suggested settings. It warns you if you go outside of those settings, it's not going to sound quite the same. Like, you could get some crazy squelches and squeals and stuff like that. Um, for a lot of people, they don't want that. That's a deal breaker. For me, that's what I want. Remember, this thing, this show is called Signal to Noise. Noise being the operative word here. So I'm um, playing around with these pedals. You know, I would use them the wrong way. I'd turn my phase pedal up the whole way to see what happened. I would turn the chorus up all the whole way to get these really crazy shimmery sounds. And I use them. Sometimes I use them the right way to get the sweet sounds, but then I would use them the quote unquote wrong way. All right? I'm doing air quotes as I record this, like you guys can see it. But um, so I'm using them the wrong way. So here I am trying to sit down with this multi effects pedal, and it sounds good, but I can't get the parameters to adjust the way that I wanted. And what I started finding is that on every effect, the parameters stopped at a certain level. Now, guitar processors seem to function identical to the analog um, analog pedals they were copying, right? Um, I could make all the same crazy sounds. You could turn the controls up all the way and have it just get unusable. But on these bass multi-effects pedals, it's like they decide, well, bass players aren't really going to use this or they don't need this. So we're going to stop it here. So I couldn't get as deep of a sound as I wanted on the um, on the envelope filter. I couldn't get the um, chorus parameters I wanted. Like I could not mimic what I was doing with analog pedals on these multi effects, and it was really upsetting me. And uh, you know, and, I'm, and at first I'm maybe like, oh, you know what? Maybe it's me. Now the guy who was helping me, he'd been over several times, and he's listening to me mess with it. And he'd heard me play with it through the Zoom. And he comes back over. He's like, see? He goes, that is a fantastic sound. He's like, that is a great sound. And I looked up. I said, um, that's my effects pedal. That's my DoD envelope fil filter. And he pauses. Face goes blank. He's like, you know what? Don't get that Zoom. Stick with your stomp boxes. That's a way better sound. You know, and, and I really, I, I thank the guy for that because a lot of sales guys might have tried to turn around and be like, you know what, no, we can do something with it or, oh, you know what, no, we just need to really open it up. Mm -mm. This guy was awesome and he's like, hey, here, here's the deal, here's the truth. And he encouraged me. So he, um, he actually let, he let me trade in um, another piece of gear. And then that's how, I think it was, that was how I got either my first de delay. I think I did. I think I got my first delay from them, uh, the DD3. And then also I got an SKB pedal board, which the SKB pedal board, for as expensive as it is, is just a bag with a big piece of plastic and some Velcro on it so you can Velcro the pedals to it. Um, but that changed everything. And that's, that, like, honestly, that set me on the journey. Like, after that, I got my first tremolo pedal, uh, Voodoo Labs. I was at a guitar show in Philadelphia. Um, pretty sure that show goes still goes on. I think 3B Vintage puts it on, or B3 Vintage. 
not sure. I can't remember. Um, but so I, I was at a guitar show visiting my buddy Chris, who was, uh, lived out that way at the time. And I saw this trumpet. I'm like, what's this do? This, this looks like fun. I tried it out. Um, it was cheap. Well, let's put it this way. Compared to what I seen them priced for, it was 80 bucks. So, I mean, at the time, that was cheaper. You know, and most of the pedals I wanted were 150 to 200 bucks. So, that was really cheap because I wanted to get, like, the pitch shifters, which I did. Um, I got the harmonist, the pitch shifter. Like, I was trying to do all kinds of weird things with sound. And I just, you know, I'd, I had tons of boss pedals, tons of DOD. Because, I mean, at the time, they were probably the most accessible. And then... Um, you know, then for a while, I wasn't playing, so, you know, the pedal thing just kind of went by the wayside, and then when I started getting back into, you know, checking pedals and stuff out again, well, all of a sudden, this whole boutique market sprung up, right? And so you've got Wampler, you've got JHS, you've got Keeley, um, you've got Analog Man, you've got Death by Audio. Um, heck, in Baltimore, I don't know if you guys have heard about this, I talked about it on the show and I think the blog, but Trio Pedals... Um, and there's also, is it Noise Kick? And I apologize if, you know, anybody who happens to be associated with them is listening or whatever, but I'm pretty sure it's Noise Kick, but they have the Howler. Like, these are some great effects pedals, great boutique builders. And so it's even more fun to be using stomp boxes today than it was to be using the multi-effects pedals. Because, I mean, honestly, the multi-effects pedals, you get one or two or three new features when they would do an upgrade. You know, maybe they do some under-the-hood stuff so it sounded better, algorithms, what have you, who knows. But man, the boutique effects really blew the doors off things. And well, then you know, I, I've, I've easily—I bet you—I got fifty pedals at home right now, um, and at least five tremolo. Like I'll have to count them. But I, I think what I'm gonna do for some future shows here is gonna be um, line up all my pedals that are like the same kind of pedal, like you know, all my tremolo pedals do a shootout, all my fuzzes do a shootout, that sort of stuff. Because I was talking with John at Iron City Rocks. He's like, man, he's like, there's nothing harder than trying to write about sound. You know, how do you describe a sound? And I'm like, you know what? He's got a good point. So I need to do more with this format. Um, yeah, so that's all for that little rant section here for now. All right, so let's wrap this up. So I'm hoping soon we're going to have another episode um, that's going to involve a few of the guest, uh, guests that I've had on the show already. So Mike... Um, from, I can't, I think episode 24, Mike, Josh, and Rock. They've all been on the show separately. I'm trying to get them together in a panel with some other people um, that you guys will meet here sh uh, shortly. And we're going to talk about the state of the mu music industry. And uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the spin that we do on it. That's all I really want to tell you right now. Um, other than that, guys, I'm wrapping up here. Um, I put the Instagram feed up on the website. So if you go to signaltonoise.fm, you can join my Instagram account there. Instagram and Twitter are the best way to get a hold of me, to follow me. Um, and honestly, speaking of Instagram and Twitter, I would love to know um, why do you use pedals? Or why do you use what you, do, what you use? If you use a rack unit, if you use a multi-effects box, um, what are you using and why? But like, why did you choose it? Was it price? Was it sound? What's going on? So hit me up on, on Twitter, Facebook. Well, Facebook I'm not on much real often. I am on there, but... Uh, Twitter and Instagram, same handle, S-G-N-L, the number 2-N-Z. Signal to noise, right? Kind of the way that works out. Uh, so that's all I got, guys. So um, thank you for listening. I've had a great time. Hopefully you have too. And until next time, make some noise.